Hey, y'all, and welcome to LA Unmastered. I'm your host, Lauren Allen, but you can call me LA. All my friends do. First and foremost, thank you so much for listening. There's a revolution happening right outside and there is so much work to do, but we all have to find peace throughout the day. So I really do appreciate you sharing your time of solace with me. I mean that. Next, I want to thank Zachary Mezzo. He composed all the music for the podcast, and he's also my editor. He's a musical composition and screen scoring major over at NYU. So Ludwig Boo, you about to have some competition. Anyway, Zach is also a drummer in a band called Cause Carelessness, and we used to work together at a restaurant out on Long Island with Star Pendergrass. She is an illustration major over at FIT, and Star created all the beautiful artwork for my podcast. So thank you so much. And just to shout out these two young ass kids real quick, because they've been doing nothing but donating, protesting, and most importantly, speaking up. Their generation is really not fucking around and they give me so much hope for the future. And I'm proud to have these two on my team. Well, anyway, I originally asked Zach if he'd be interested in composing music for my podcast over a year ago. That's literally how long I've been talking about doing this show. Like procrastination's a real bitch, okay? But the idea for LA Unmastered came about because I'd been looking, well, damn, I'm still looking for a job back in the music marketing industry. But in order to fully commit to the job search, I went back to serving tables so that I could afford my lifestyle, which is following my dreams. It's unpredictable and yeah, but it's thrilling, I guess. But trying to find a full-time job has really taken a lot longer than I thought, but I never wanted to lose sight of what was most important to me, and that's my passion, and that's music. I kept saying I didn't have enough time to do this show, and then the universe was like, hey girl, I heard you loud and clear, so now I ain't got nothing but time. So the day that I lost my job because of the pandemic, I went into my Amazon podcast wish list and hit purchase on all the equipment. And here we are. So you're probably wondering why L.A. Unmastered. Well, L.A., duh, we discussed this. Hello, Lauren Allen, nice to meet you. But Unmastered, you know, I'm a humble person, so you're probably thinking that this has something to do with me accepting the fact that I'm a master of none. Well, you're hella wrong, because I may not call myself a master of music, but I'm damn sure not going to say I'm not one, okay? Okay, I promise I'm really humble and modest. (laughs) But it's actually based off the musical term master. When a track or an album is completed, it's then mastered, which means it's mixed for distribution. It also ensures consistency and perfection all the way around. So no matter how you listen to the music, whether you're streaming, vinyl, CDs, eight tracks, I don't know you, whatever it is, but it comes out crystal clear. So if you've ever listened to an unmastered track and a lot of demos are unmastered, the best part about it is that you can hear how raw the vocals are. It's like you're in the studio with them. It feels genuine and so vulnerable. That's why I chose unmastered. And as my friends love to point out, after a few cocktails, I very much enjoy giving speeches about how much I love my friends and why. But I always begin the same way. Can I keep it really, really real with you? So this podcast is where I get to do just that. I wanted to create a space in which I could discuss all the music I love and opinions I had about the artist, the actual art they create, and the industry as a whole. I believe every moment you've ever encountered, every emotion you've ever had has its own score and its own soundtrack. So I wanted to relate the show to life because to me, life is nothing without music. 
But understand, LA Mastered is not just for me. It's a safe haven for all music lovers of all genres. I want you to discover new music you would have never even considered listening to. I mean, I just want you to expand your vibe, man. I'm literally sitting here right now with my sage and crystals cleansing my energy, just as an FYI. But it's also a sanctuary for artists to come interact with fans and to make new ones. For them to have a stage to perform if they'd like one, especially now. I mean, damn, maybe we can get an LA Unmastered Musical Festival popping soon, right? Wouldn't that be fun? Okay, let me calm down one thing at a time. Let's get through this episode. But I want us all to build a community together, a place where all musical opinions have a home. And even though I'm sharing my musical ideals, that doesn't mean that my thoughts are right and yours are wrong. Ooh, unless you have some opinions about Frank Ocean, because we might have an issue. But anyway, if I say something you disagree with, like blonde is better than Channel Orange. Yeah, I said it. I want you to let me know. And if I say something you love, hit me up. Either way, you can reach out to me and even post your unmastered opinions by visiting launmastered.com. Or call me 646-389-9079. With your permission, I'll post my favorite comments on social media and I may even invite you on the show. So at the end of the day, music is the medicine and I need my daily dose. To me, music can save the world and that is even more evident right now. I know I'd be on my hippie dippy bullshit, but it's also facts. So as we continue to fight the establishment, let's have a good time in the meantime. Without further ado, this is the very first episode of L.A. Unmastered. The original intention of this segment was to discuss up-and-coming shows I was attending or interested in, but quarantine 2020 happened, and now concerts aren't coming back until 2021, allegedly. We'll see. So if you're a concert fee like me, you've been taking this really hard. I mean, I was so determined to get back to normal that the second week of lockdown in March, I ordered two sets of tickets. One set for 8-track in June. I was being real optimistic with that one. I know I'm aware. And the other one was for Black Keys and Gary Clark Jr. at the end of August at Jones Beach Theater. A bunch of my friends slid into my DMs and side eye emojied me talking about, girl, I don't know. And I was like, y'all are haters. Let me live my life. Well, they're about to get their redemption right now because both concerts have been canceled. Summer 2020 concert series literally doesn't exist. The party is done, okay? Like with everything else, you got to learn how to adapt and get our concert fixed some way, somehow. I'm thankful for the internet at a time like this. These live stream performances have been giving me so much life. I literally add these shows to my personal calendar so I can remember to attend from my couch. So if you go to launmaster.com slash unplugged, you'll be able to keep up with the live performances I'm trying to log into. Um, I'm going to try my best to keep that as updated as possible, I promise. 
So I've been watching a lot of live performances and, re and recordings from artists I love. Ugh, James Blake is probably my favorite to watch right now. He gets on his piano and just sings his heart out. I mean, within the first few weeks of quarantine, he put out his rendition of Godspeed by Frank Ocean. My goodness. If you have not heard that yet, please, please go listen to that. I mean, I need him and Frank to do some sort of album or virtual concert series drive-in situation i don't know i just need them to do something together asap because the world needs it shit i need it okay but um james also did a longer concert where he played some of his jams it was like an hour and a half two hours and he also recently did a concert series for loveland um for the loveland organization which is awesome but he played his favorites or my favorites rather retrograde and are you in love i mean his falsetto is vibrational okay i'm just gonna put that out there anyway um another artist i've been listening to is her and i'm actually ashamed to admit this but i just got into her during quarantine i hadn't really listened to her actual music other than hearing her on songs like best part with daniel caesar then i saw her sing on the prince tribute she performed beautiful ones which the only other cover i've ever liked of that song is by mariah and drew hill because it's like beautiful beautiful Ooh. Okay, let me not. I don't want to do that. That's disrespect to all parties involved, especially Prince. I love you, purple one. Her killed it when she did it. It was just so beautiful, and I couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, I had already been following her on IG, so I got lost in her page one day and ended up buying her entire discography off iTunes after that. Um, but y'all need to hear her cover of Daughters by John Mayer. You can find that on her page. It is just too good. Uh, during quarantine, she'd also been doing these sessions called Girls With Guitars. The first one I caught was when she did When Can I See You Again with Chloe and Haley. Oh, man, that one gave me chills because she did the slide on the guitar and then the When Can I See You Again. Oh, thank you. That is just so good. Uh, she also did a session with Cheryl Crow and they performed First Cut. And then she also had Melissa Etheridge on as well. I just love seeing old school and new school and genre crossover happening all at once. It just, you just see clearly that at the end of the day, music is music, you know? But what's also really dope, she had on some undiscovered artists as well. And I'll get into that a little bit later. I just love that she's giving these women a platform, though. I think that that's just beautiful. And that's how we uplift each other. And right now, it's truly an artistic utopia. It's a time for artists to be creating and for fans to be musically diligent. It's literally a creators and listeners market right now. I've also been very much enjoying Tom Mish jamming out on his bass and making that stank face. I highly recommend checking out his sets if you're in the mood to get deep into the music. And if this is the first time you're hearing his name, please put my ass on pause and go listen to his album Beat Tapes 2. That one really does it for me. And then I need you to go listen to his track with FKJ called Losing My Way. Just go get lost in the Tom Mish rabbit hole. It's a really good one. I also want to mention Chromio. They've been making music for the time, man. Like, for real. Please go to their IG and listen to some of their new tracks. Clorox Wipe is my favorite. Their EP, Quarantine Casanova, is literal fuego. So I had been working on this episode, or it was actually finished and finalized about a month ago. And I had included these artists that I just mentioned. And what I had to do was go to their page and see if they were saying anything in support of the movement. I was so happy because these are white artists that sing R&B, funk, house, you know? And every single one of them said, 
I would be nothing without black music. And that to me is everything. And they're donating and they're speaking out. And that is just what I love to see. So I'm so appreciative of those artists. So let's talk about Versus. The battles have been so fun and so nostalgic. I mean, obviously my favorite was Babyface and Teddy Riley. I legitimately transcended to my youth. Mm, it was also 420, so I was transcending regardless, you feel me? <laughs> but Babyface took that battle for me. The first time his tech won, the next round it was his music for sure. But the battle that really got me was Beanie Man and Bounty Killer. I don't know who actually won, but the West Indian Massive and the Caribbean culture sure did. Little John and T-Pain was fun. That brought me back to my college years. And Erica and Jill was just very much a chill vibe. It wasn't even really a battle for me. Jagged Edge versus 112 and Nelly versus Luda was just too hard to watch. The Wi-Fi was killing me. I couldn't even get into it. But let's talk about why I won't be watching versus anymore. <gasps> Did y'all gasp? Or, or no? Nah? No? Uh, okay. I'll continue. It was... The fact that they had a Jada versus Fabulous battle. I didn't even watch it. Why? Because I refused to show any support to Fabulous because I don't know if y'all remember, but I remember him knocking Emily's teeth out in front of her father and then threatened to fight her father. Like, I can't get down with any of that at all. We are in a time where we're holding artists and celebrities accountable. There's no more separation of artists and music for me. I figured that out with R. Kelly and the man that's married to Kim. I couldn't listen to Bump and Grind or You Remind Me of My Jeep without feeling sick. Hearing racism still alive, they just be concealing it while listening to Never Let Me Down will never hit the same ever. So why would I ever give respect to a man who doesn't respect women? Why would any of us? How do you not look at him and just see abuser? People come to his defense saying that Emily doesn't care, we shouldn't care. What type of shit is that? She's a victim of abuse, plain and simple. It's not my job to judge her, but to pray for her safety. And me not supporting him has nothing to do with her actions, only his actions. The worst part about the battle is that it was even allowed to happen. The fact that Jada didn't say, nah, I'm not battling him, I don't respect men who beat women. That when Swiss and Timbo were discussing potential matchups, neither of them said, yeah, this isn't a good idea. I'm not trying to give this man a platform. I mean, now they're sitting here talking about T.I. versus 50 Cent. And literally, 50 Cent was just on Lil Wayne's podcast talking about how black women are angry and jealous of quote unquote exotic women. What? No one cares if you date outside your race. Just don't put down your race in the process. That's it. It's fucking gross. On top of that, T.I. is out here talking about his daughter's OBGYN visits and calling Atlanta Wakanda. Yeah, we don't need that type of shit. We need men to come to the defense of women, especially black women. When we speak about racism, we are demanding that white people speak up when they see it, that they have this privilege that we do not. This goes the same for men and women, especially within our own community. None of us should be accept accepting this type of behavior. We need to hold people accountable. That same weekend, the BET Awards took place as well. I honestly fell asleep early and missed it. I caught the highlights the next day. One thing that really bothered me was all the praise about DaBaby's performance with Roddy Ridge. Um, again, did we not all see him hit a woman in her face on camera? Like, I actually saw another angle of the video this weekend that I hadn't seen before. Some man, of course, on Twitter was like, well, she hit him first. She barely tapped her phone on his face. And it was more than likely that it was because the crowd was so large and moving her. Like, if you look at it, you could see them swaying. 
The excuse was, if someone did that to me, I'd knock them out too. What? Why was that his immediate response to punch a woman in her face? That is where my issue lies. That shouldn't be a natural reaction. You have security, bruh. You're a celebrity now. Be mindful. I don't care how many apologies he makes. Was never really into him anyway, so honestly, it's no loss for me. When I say, or when we all say, denounce the whole system, it's the whole system. Can't be some of it and not all of it. We are worried about the youth of Black America. They see young girls and boys and grown-ass men and women being murdered by racist-ass police and civilians. Why would I want a young Black woman to grow up thinking that a man can beat on her and he will still succeed in life? Why would I want a young Black man to see his favorite rapper beat a woman and still get on stage to perform? This is subliminal advertising and marketing. If you think this sounds like tinfoil shit, open up an advertising 101 te textbook and learn about it, okay? I refuse to have this system, any part of it, continue. Dismantle it all. Remember, a lot of these artists have morality clauses in their contracts, but somehow beating women, especially black women, does not breach. And even if one agent or manager or lawyer drops them, another vulture is there to pick them up. It's honestly why Chris Brown still managed to sell at arenas after we saw physical proof of him abusing Rihanna and Karuchi. That needs to end. When you search these artists, their music will come up as well as their domestic abuse instances. Hello. And they are still marketable to society. Why is that? Because that fits with the image being presented to society of black people. It's also why the top female rappers who are pumped up in this industry are Megan, Cardi, and Nicki. All extremely talented, open with their sexuality, and I love that. But the reason why it's them and not also Little Sims, Chica, and LaCaylee, 47, is the problem. Sex sells, yes, but the hypersexualization of black women sells a hell of a lot more. We are deemed to be monolithic by society. Our men are gangbangers and drug dealers, and our women are all about sex and twerking. We know we're more than that, but others are fed the opposite. I would just love an equal distribution of who we are presented to the world. This is not for acceptance. Fuck that. I need you to understand me when I say. It's because I want the world to know how eclectic and unique we are. That we are beautiful in so many ways. You can say I'm going too hard, but I'll say I don't care. This isn't a half-ass battle. How can we easily be like, fuck Candace Owen with her self-hating ass, but not fabbone the baby for their abuse on women? Watching everyone fight for our people one day and then the next day be like, damn, breathe was a bop. It's wild to me. It actually hurts. This time has to be different. I cannot tell you what to do. I'm just asking you to be open and to hear me. I will leave you with this quote from Dear White People, the movie. It was said by Sam, Tessa Thompson's character. The vibrancy, the complexity of Black culture has been distilled into commodities and marketing schemes to be bought and sold. Okay, so Uncharted is a portion of the show where I want to highlight some new artists and those that may not have hit the charts yet. Get it? Cute, right? Right? Okay. All right. First up is Chica. She's a hip hop vocalist and lyricist out of Alabama. I first heard of her from Diddy's IG page. Then my bestie, hey Sade, sent me her tiny desk. I love me some NPR tiny desk, by the way. Go through their archives if you're looking for some music to watch. It is such a good time. And there are so many. I love the rap ones because the artists usually perform with a live band and it's a whole ass scene to be seen. 
Um, but anyway, after watching hers, I immediately purchased Chica's EP, Industry Games. My favorite tracks are Songs About You, Industry Games, and Crown. She has a similar vibe to Little Sims, who's a lyricist out of the UK, and Chicago's very own No Name. So if you really want to see how she gets down, listen to what I call her read on Psalms Daddy on his own beat, Jesus Waltz. She keeps it so real, and I'm obviously here for it. Chica's also been super active in the movement. She's out protesting and she even got shot with rubber bullets and got arrested. So I highly recommend following her to stay up to date with what's going on out there on the streets. Next up is Moonchild Sinelli. And yes, it's Sinelli and not Sinelli, as she let the interviewer from Blacklight Magazine know. FYI, it's a great interview, especially if you want to get to know her. She creates Kwaito music, which is like electro beat sort of dance hall type music out of South Africa. However, she coined her own genre and it's called Future Ghetto Punk. And I don't think anything can describe her better than that. I found her from one of Diplo's posts about Major Lazer's weekly set. Um, she was on one of the slides and she was just dancing and jamming out. Side note, she has this deep aquamarine colored hair I dream about having. It's so good. But anyway, I was digging the song that he was playing heavy. So I started with her track with DJ Rival, Diplo and Vista called Whole Night. It is a whole bashment vibe. After that, I went all into her music. The only other artist that I like can think of that reminds me of her is Babes Wadumo. And you may not recognize her name, but if you saw Black Panther, then you definitely remember the song Wololo. It was the scene where we first see Black Panther walk into Sherry's lab and she was blasting her music. That's Wololo. Coincidentally, Babes also has a track with uh, Major Lazer. It's called Orkant Balance Panet. Um, so these two women are in a class entirely of their own. Moonchild especially has such a unique vibe and she holds her own even on a multi-feature track. On Moon Night Staring, which is a DJ Maforisa track featuring DJ Tira and Busiwa and of course Moonchild, she is one of three on this track and she makes the whole song for me. It's like a bat call to get up and dance. On the opposite end of the music spectrum, she has a little bit more laid back side to her that is anything but slower monotonous monotonous Delala, which is her song featuring lunatic it's almost like a jazzy afrobeat vibe it reminds me of diamond which is by Brit the british singer easy izzy bizu uh Delala is mellow and melodic which makes for a perfect sound soundtrack to a chill quarantine day um, but since May, Moonchild has been fighting a battle all of her own in South Africa for equality and body image. South African radio stations have pulled her song Askies, citing that it's too explicit because it mentions thunder thighs. She told them, you're taking down a song that makes every woman, whatever their size, feel confident. She, in turn, created the hashtag thunder thighs challenge. So keep doing you, girl. Next is Kenny Hoopla, who has easily become one of my favorite artists and voices of the youth during this revolution. He's a 19-year-old singer out of Wisconsin. And before I even get into him, I just want to say how much I'm loving how smart these young artists are. And I hope they know that their lyrics resonate and their emotions are valid. Like, remember being a teenager and thinking that everything was catastrophic and how every feeling was so intense. We can easily look back and be like, damn, I was dumb as fuck. But that doesn't change the realness of those feelings we experience. So I'm thankful for the Kenny Hoopla's, the Billie Eilish's, and the Georgia Smith's. Please keep creating. 
But back to Kenny. He creates what I can only describe as post-punk dance punk. His music makes me nostalgic of the 2000s. I actually discovered him while I was listening to the radio. I know, real old school. But Alt 92.3 was playing this song, and I swore it was a new block party. Alas, when I shazammed it, it was Kenny Hoopla. The song that I heard and that I love is How I Will How Will I Rest in Peace While I'm Buried by a Highway. Okay, I know. That sounds super emo, but the beat is fire and his lyrics are everything. I literally want to base an entire episode off of the line, culture is so claustrophobic. That sentiment alone can mean so many things and be discussed 12 times over. Other than that, please listen to Lost Cause. He gives me total old school Cuddy vibes, which Scott Miss Cuddy. If you're listening, I'm here for you, boo, in case you need me, okay? Hmm. Anywho, Kenny says he recently got into Testicles, which was Devontae Hines' dance punk band. He said he didn't even realize that it was the same dude as Blood Orange, which I didn't know that Dev Hines had a dance punk band. Can we talk about that? I learned something new every day. But side note, I just love that a 19-year-old kid is listening to Dev Hines. Makes me love him even more. Finally, thanks to hers, Girls with Guitar Sessions, told you I'd come back to it, I discovered a new artist, Brianna Cash. On Girls with Guitars, she covered Just Friends by Music Soul Child, which is a forever tune. And she also performed her new single, Numb. And now she has a new fan. She's an East Coast chick like myself. She's a North Philly John. My cousin from Philly gave me permission to use John, so I don't want to hear anyone from Philly come for me, okay? I have permission. But she cites Stevie Wonder and Lauren Hill as being two of her inspirations. For me, she has a very folk R&B style about her. There are stories in her music. I liken her to Amber Mark for sure. And if you've ever listened to Marion Hill, you'll definitely dig Brianna's vibe. The beat on her debut single, Numb, samples one of the greatest tracks, Passing Me By by The Far Side. It also features the quarantine king himself, Tory Lanez. Um, her voice is melodic with a hint of rasp. It's a perfect, perfect, perfect over this particular beat. If you want to know more about any of these artists, please visit launmaster.com slash uncharted. There you'll find their social media pages and links to their music. And you can even send me new artists you're listening to, especially local indie ones. And local doesn't have to be my local. It can be anywhere. And if you're in the U.S., you know we ain't traveling to no countries anytime soon. So let's travel the world by way of music, okay? Hey y'all, so whenever you have a minute, I'd like you to head on over to launmastered.com slash BLM. There you'll be able to find a list of local Black-owned bars, restaurants, and coffee shops, as well as Black food bloggers, and most importantly, Black-owned wineries. You'll also be able to read my article that was featured in Eater Magazine entitled, I'm Through Being Silent About the Restaurant Industry's Racism. And last but not least, there is a list of petitions I'd love for you to read through and sign. Every week, I'm going to highlight a Black-owned business. So if you know of one that you'd like me to feature or talk about, please feel free to fill out the form on my site or email me la at launmastered.com. And again, call me 646-389-9079. This week, I want to talk about Black-owned candle companies. My girl, Melissa, actually sent me a Twitter thread that had a whole list of them. There, I was able to find J-Lux Scents & Co., and I got the Lotus Flower Bomb. It smells delicious. I also used their lavender oil for my diffuser. And then I bought the Langston Candle from Harlem Candle Company. And when I tell you I'm in here writing in the ambiance of Langston Hughes, like I'm in 1920s Harlem, 
that's literally what it smells like. It is delicious. So definitely check those two candle companies out. And again, hit me up if you know of any company you'd like me to feature. Thanks. Okay, so it's finally time to keep it really, really real. Originally, this episode was going to be called Mind Your Business and Dance, which was an homage to LCD Sound Systems' Shut Up and Play the Hits. So about a month ago, a lot of people's interpretation of we're all in this together was to focus on what everyone else was doing or should be doing. And that shit was bonkers. So I wanted everyone to focus internally and on their own well-being and use dancing as a stress reliever. I even picked out the top five DJs of the quarantine. And I made that list available to you on my website at launmaster.com slash top five. And that's the number five. So I was supposed to record my first episode on May 27th and set to release it on June 1st. However, on May 25th, George Floyd was murdered by several officers from the Minneapolis Police Department. And after that, there was only one thing to do, and that was start a motherfucking revolution. And wouldn't you know it, the people came through. The irony, a lot of those people who had so much to say about the pandemic were exceptionally silent. I mean, their silence is deafening. Unsurprisingly, the white people who flooded the streets demanding fresh crew cuts in the Midwest, the South, and even right here in Suffolk County on Long Island were not in the streets marching for black lives. I mean, let's not forget that it's the same crowd who used signs that said only slaves wear masks, having the audacity to use the image of Escrava Anastasia, who was an African woman enslaved in Brazil and is famously known for having to wear an iron mask because, get this, she was too beautiful. Ain't that some shit? But this isn't about them. This is about the music. One of the most important things to know about me is that I'm an emotional being, but I use business logic and rationale. I obtained my MBA in sports and entertainment management, and I wrote two theses while I was there. One was on the legitimacy of amateur versus professional baseball, and the other was on tour management. In reality, you can relate one to the other. My baseball thesis was based on the statement in my Principles and Practice of Sports Management textbook. So it said, the legitimacy of modern sport demands honest play, or at least the appearance of honest play. The appearance of an honest effort is one of the most important precepts organizing modern sport. It is more important, for example, than fair play or equality of competition. Basically, we don't have to do the right thing as long as it looks like we're doing the right thing. So let's talk about the appearance of legitimacy because that is what I find to be most interesting. When you dive into the history of music, you discover that black people were at the essence and were creators of most genres, from jazz to blues to rock to hip hop to house. I mean, damn, when Beethoven is black was trending, I think we may have claimed classical, but I'm not sure, but I think we did. However, the history will show you that we weren't allowed to perform at many locations or even be played on radio stations because we weren't deemed marketable to society. This is why Elvis's version of Hound Dog is mistaken as the original, but in reality, it was a Mama Thornton track first. It is why you don't know Richard Berry's version of Louie Louie, but you know the cover by the Kingsman. Okay, but Lauren, what about Soft Cell's Tainted Love? Nope, that was originally recorded by Gloria Jones. 
over time, black artists started receiving more access to the mainstream, right? So I grew up in the 90s. I noticed a major change. Black culture was cool. We were on TV more. Our music was all over the airways and slang was normalized. There was a shift and something happened during that time too. Entertainment execs knew they could profit off of this, off of our image. But again, the image that was marketable. They had no intention of trying to equalize the industry. You have to think about what was being promoted, right? The type of movies and music. Most 90s movies that were greenlit were about the plight of black people in the hood, gangbanging, drug dealing, addicts, and of course, women were prostitutes and or teen moms on welfare. And let's not forget all the slave movies. But as we enter the late 90s and the early 2000s, we saw another shift. More movies like The Best Man and Love and Basketball, in which we were educated, employed, and successful, began to hit the big screen. However, a lot of those movies never got the marketing push that their white counterparts received. It's why more people know about American Pie than they do The Wood. All right, so let's get into the music, primarily hip-hop and rap. For me personally, I'm more of a neo-soul, conscious, hip-hop type chick, right? In the 90s, I was vibing out to Erica, India, Flowetry, Jill, Music, and Maxwell. And as far as hip-hop, I was all about the roots, common, most, de la, tribe, dilated peoples, and even Black Eyed Peas, pre-Fergie. I mean, it's hard to imagine a time before, boom, 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 but it existed, I promise you. I learned about a lot of these artists by watching Yo! in particular time. And unfortunately, it wasn't always available during pre-bedtime for my young ass, okay? And then the radio, forget it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love me some big Wu-Tang, Mob Deep, and the Locks, but they were all a very particular vibe. Again, noticing a theme, these are songs that were all about the hood, selling dope to get out of the hood, banging of hoes and gangs. You know, other artists were played at later hours and only by particular DJs. Today, what has changed? We can't find artists like Toby Nuigwe, Run the Jewels, Chica, Little Sims, No Name, anywhere mainstream, which is fine by me because I'd rather keep them to myself. And besides, music is more readily available and easier to find. But why is it that way? Well, it's the same reason why you hear J. Cole's songs with Miguel on the radio more than you do his conscious shit. That shit just don't hit the same, right? Even though it should. But we'll also be getting back to J. Cole because I got a few comments for him. But understand, hip-hop and rap, although created by us, is not marketed to us. Record execs already know that we're going to buy these genres. Their goal is to reel in their number one demographic that purchases hip-hop and rap. And that's white men. Most young white men from the burbs don't want to listen to songs about black pride and building up the black community. They want to feel cool and down and dare I say, gangsta. So A&R can find incredible talent, but the ones that often get signed and receive a hefty monetary push are the ones who maintain an image that we are gangbangers from the hood who sell drugs and fuck bitches, right? Brown Sugar actually touches on this and I highly recommend that movie if you've never seen it. When he's like, you were the perfect verse over a tight beat. Oof, 
damn like i oh i still think about that he wrote that note okay anyway let me refocus my bad, bad, bad. all right so understand what i'm saying is not to knock us at all this is just a fact so for us in our community we know black people are multifaceted that we can be from the hood or be from the suburbs that we could be from the hood and love rock and be from the burbs and love trap however to the outside world we're all just the same that is why they want you to see it because it goes in line with the whole plan. The entertainment industry and the media go hand in hand. So let's think about it. The news constantly is always saying black on black crime in Chicago, Chicago, brainwashing people with nonsense. Viewers watch that shit and then have our movies and music to back them up. That was the point. I know I may sound like I got my tinfoil hat on, but I just need y'all to realize that it's not just the governmental system in place. It's everything. We have to dismantle each part of it one at a time. So when you put on Future and Migos, also give Toby and Chica a try. So let's go back to J. Cole. I want to make a statement about his latest track, Snow on the Bluff. So when this song came out, I immediately downloaded it. I was like, let me take a drive, lower my windows, listen to some coal. So I was in my car and then I peeped the line. But shit, it's something about the Queen's tone that's bothering me. Oh, Jay. First of all, I think I can speak for all black women here when I say that we are tired of people, especially men, trying to check our tone. No matter if we are soft spoken or loud and mad as hell, people always have something to say about the way that we speak. This line was unnecessary and perpetuates a stigma that we are so sick of. Secondly, this line is also nonsense. How you gonna lead when you attacking the very same niggas that really do need to hear the shit that you're saying? So if these men need to hear the shit that she's saying, why are you calling it attacking in the same sentence? Why couldn't you just say, y'all need to hear this shit, and clearly so do I? Like, I'm at a loss. His apology was weak. Especially if you're speaking about No Name who literally has a book club and you're saying you don't read as much. Like, please, bye. Like, I, I can't. I appreciate you protesting and using your platform, but we definitely did not need this song, especially since it was released right after Toyin was murdered. So the only male rapper who I saw come to No Name's defense was Chance the Rapper. He tweeted, they both my peoples, but only one of them put out a whole song talking about how the other needs to reconsider their tone and attitude in order to save the world. It's not constructive and undermines all the work No Name has done. It's not black women's job to spoon feed us. We grown. I love it. And thank you, Chance. But now I'm curious. Have any of these same people who critiqued No Name discussed Chance saying that black men are the oppressors of the black community? Did anyone ask him to change his tone? No. This is again why I highlight why we need black men to ride for us the way we ride for them. And this was a perfect example. So speaking of No Name, people are really unbelievable. One week, you see people defending her and her right to say anything she wants, however she wants. The next week, they are swarming her mentions because she said Beyonce and Obama were a part of the capitalistic system we are trying to destroy. No one seemed to come running in Obama's defense, just they. So 
We are only defending her right to say something as long as she doesn't mention your queen. Like that's some real tutor shit, right? Like that's crazy. No name isn't wrong. The rich elite are still the elite no matter the color. However, there is racism in that sect, as many black artists and CEOs can tell you. But their bellies are like their bank accounts, nice and full. So let me pull out my EpiPen real quick for what I'm about to say. Beyonce Knowles is a person. Beyonce is the brand. Understand that her first statement she made on IG, she in no way, shape or form mentioned Black Lives Matter, only people of color. And her only call to action at the time was to sign a petition in her bio. As a social media specialist, I thought it was odd for her to use a filter that had a hue which made her skin lighter and her eyes greener. I would have highly recommended against that imagery. The music in the background was haunting. It just had the same aesthetic as a Sarah McLachlan ASPCA commercial. Like, no lie. Like, it just felt so off. So the same way that we analyze a company's immediate response is the same way I do to everyone in stature. But because she has the best PR team in the world, she immediately began correcting the situation, posting more. She released Black Parade and donated the proceeds. She worked with Lit Brooklyn on Juneteenth, which I personally love because I've been following Lit Brooklyn. They are also another Black-owned candle company, FYI. But in the midst of all this, she also won the BET Humanitarian Award. It wasn't Tamika Mallory, Killer Mike, or Kendrick Sampson. Understand it's a combination of her incomparable PR team and the team at Viacom CBS because it worked out for everyone. It increased site traffic and clicks, aka increased ad revenue. And now, Baby Girl is in a great spotlight. This isn't me being bitter or hating on her at all. She's a wonderful entertainer, exceptionally talented and beautiful. In addition, she's a philanthropist who founded and founded her charity, Bay Good. But let's keep it 100. Bay hasn't been at the BET Awards in years. And everyone's always like, she's above it. She doesn't need to be there. But now she's a humanitarian BET is choosing during a revolution of all people. Like understand it was beneficial for both parties. BET is owned by Viacom. Due to COVID, it's the only award show they currently have during the summer season until the VMAs in August. This year's BET award show was played on BET and CBS. In this case, I believe they felt the need to be very particular about who they chose to honor and showcase from our community. Everyone from Issa Rae, who constantly hails Bay as queen on Insecure, to racist-ass Stassi Schroeder on VPR, who says she's the Beyonce of her group, talks about this woman. She gains traction very easily. Beyonce is marketable and has an exceptional and extraordinary range and reach. So she's now releasing Black is King and the purpose is to share our stories, right? The visuals will be stunning, no doubt about that. But unless she's donating a portion of the proceeds of the film which she's releasing on Disney Plus, this is exactly capitalism. Let's break it down to supply and demand. Right now, there's a high demand for black art, black content, black media, black music. So if you can understand how this was seen as a profitable opportunity, I don't know what to tell you. Beyonce has been out of work like the rest of us. And although she may not need the money, she still has a business to run, the business of her. 
So I'm not questioning her making money. That's her profession. I'm questioning her making money off of us right now. I'm also questioning her choice to stream this movie, which is about our African roots and culture on Disney Plus, which isn't even currently available in most African countries. There's YouTube. There's also Netflix. I want to give an example of what I think is the way to do it. Cap, for me, is doing it perfectly. So Colin Kaepernick sealed a deal with Disney for his docuseries, and he will also be elevating black and brown directors and producers and creators as a means to share culturally impactful stories. I come up, you come up. That's how it should be. And I'm not saying not to watch Black is King and to not support it. Absolutely do. We need it. I'm just honestly more worried about this film being released and her trending. In turn, removing Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, Elijah Weatherspoon, Vanessa Guillen, Andres Guidado, David McAtee, and countless others from the trending conversation. Because we really need to focus on the fact that none of them are receiving justice. All I'm asking is that for every Black is King post you put up, do one for Black Lives Matter too. And let me just say something real quick. I'm tired of white people trying to define someone's blackness. Although this isn't about you, I'm looking at you too, Biden. So to whoever that dumbass Congress rep was, you're an idiot and you sound asinine. How dare you question Beyonce's identity, her black identity? I'll never understand these conservatives, right? One minute they're accusing Beyonce of potentially inciting a riot because of her Super Bowl performance. And now she's really Italian? Like, what? First of all, no one is allowed to speak on our blackness, especially not white people. You are not allowed to rate us or compare us like we are a swatch. I just needed to drop that real quick. Anyway, this isn't just about Bay and Jay. Side note, though, Jay has been suspect to me since I saw that pic of him and Beyonce at titled his quote unquote black owned business. So if you've never seen it, Google that picture and let me know what you see. And just so y'all know, he sold his stake in the company to Sprint. But... I also didn't forget about last year when he said that we were over kneeling and need to work with the NFL, who has just decided to play lift every voice before games in an attempt to solve racism. Okay, that's fucking trash. So I'll give him his props and that I do think it's a great idea to uplift black businesses by running ads in newspapers. But why didn't anyone let him know that he would gain more traction by creating a website and hiring an SEO specialist to run Google ads? Why not just start an Instagram page? There is a Facebook ad boycott going on right now, yes, but Jay-Z doesn't need to run ads to reach millions of people. And I'm also questioning which newspaper conglomerate he's going to be giving advertising money to. These are important questions to ask, and I'm just asking everyone to use some constructive cognitive skills, I guess is the word, right? But I'm thinking a lot about a lot of artists differently. So let me use Kendrick Lamar as an example. That seems shocking, right? The man who gave us Good Kid, Mad City, which I used to bump heavy when I lived in L.A., He's also the person who gave us From a Pimp to a Butterfly and in turn the song of Black Pride for this generation, all right. But hear me out. 
I remember in 2015 when Mike Brown died, I noticed a lot of celebrities took to social media and talked about his murder and what happened. I remember on my Twitter feed, Kendrick tweeted an obviously scheduled post by his team. It was something about buying Schoolboy Q's new album. I was like, what? So I went to Schoolboy Q's page and even he ain't pumping his own shit. He was tweeting about Mike Brown. So for a few days, I checked Kendrick's page and there was nothing. I was like, all right, he's just not heavy into social media. I'm gonna let him live. He speaks about it in his music. The next year, he released Damn, dope album. He did that riveting performance at the Grammys. I loved it. And listen, if you don't, like, you don't have to be all about social media, but you have a team of people who can use your platform for you for good on your behalf. So I think about it now, a lot of artists and a lot of um, people in the entertainment industry are handing over their Instagram accounts to black activists. I think that's important. Okay, LA, let's get it together. What's your point? What's your point? Right? All right. Kendrick always speaks out in his music, which we pay for. When there's nothing to gain exposure or revenue from album sales and streams, he remains silent. During all of this, his fans, including myself, were asking where he was at. Then after three weeks, a photo of him surfaced at a protest, which was cool. I'm like, oh, okay, he's out here. But then he validates my suspicions. So after people began questioning him and like asking him to use his platform, he finally uses his platform to say, I'm not making any more music because y'all don't appreciate me. No, sir. You don't appreciate us. All we did was ask you to speak up. And when you finally do, this is the shit that you've got to say. I'm sorry. I don't like it. It don't work for me. And look at a good majority of our phase right now. The feed has already been returning back to normal. People are acting like racism and Rona have been cured. And it's so disturbing to scroll through and see an ass twerking and then a photo of someone who we've lost. Look at how many artists went right back to posting themselves half naked or in a bikini by a pool. I get it. Summer is here. You want to show off your body. Dope. I'm all for it. But don't forget about the movement. It's like COVID. After a month, everyone was just over it. We cannot get distracted this time. We really can't. These distractions are not coming out of nowhere, just as an FYI. Again, this isn't some conspiracy nonsense, but if you can believe the government is up to some shit, please don't think the entertainment world is not. So let's take the whole Jada and August situation. First of all, this is the most lukewarm tea ever. Secondly, August... Why would you do this shit right now? You really need attention that badly during a pandemic and a revolution? And everyone who was posting and reposting this nonsense got this shit trending more than anything of actual relevance. So instead of ignoring it and saying that we have more important matters to attend to in this world, Jada says, let me take myself to my show. Thus, drawing more attention to this bullshit. Now, let me pause and let's talk about something else happening. Hundreds of corporations like Levi's, PlayStation, North Face, Netflix, and Microsoft are boycotting Facebook ads because of Facebook's lack of response to the hate speech on their platform. Some of them are definitely doing it for publicity reasons, looking at you, Starbucks and Uber, but nonetheless, they are part of the solution. Zuck is set to lose billions. So let's now connect the dots. Where can you watch Red Table Talk? 
Facebook watch. So again, I'm not saying that this is how it is, but I'm just saying, think about it. Now, Facebook generated a whole bunch of traffic and in turn, ad revenue in the midst of an advertising boycott, especially since this episode broke the Facebook watch record. Yeah, it won't equate to the billions he's losing, but he just made some money for sure. Just remember that. So in my opinion, if Jada didn't lure everyone to her show and just repeat arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain over and over and over again for two hours, then I don't care. Has Jada always been about the movement? Hell yeah, for as long as I can remember. But what she does in her bedroom has no effect on my opinion of her or my life. Do I question the motive here, though? Absolutely. Billionaires are out here making millions off of us during COVID. Bezos keeps making money because we continue to buy products off Amazon. That's just a fact. But that doesn't mean that I can't judge the fuck out of him for not paying his employees more in hazard pay, for not doing more for America right now with half of us on unemployment, and for not using more than just his words to stand for Black Lives Matter. It's the same way I can't be mad at Jada for making her coins, but I can absolutely be wary of it. Also, I hate to say it, as much as I love Will Smith, he gets the side eye too. He owns a production company with James Lasseter, 100% black owned. And they also employ a lot of black people, which is amazing. However, when was the last time you've seen Will Smith in a movie with several other black people? When was the last time you saw him in a movie with a black love interest? The last two I remember are Enemy of the State with Regina King and Bad Boys 2, Gabrielle Union. He is now in a point of his career where he can make these choices to give opportunities to other black actors. This is why I question every single person who is a part of the capitalistic system. So as the revolution began, we started to see people's true colors. Trina was talking about how the animals were damaging her city and property, saying that when she gets pulled over, she's not worried about anything because she has her license and registration. Well, girl, so did Sandra and so did Philando, and that didn't protect them from their murderers. Then you got ASAP posting a black square, and I'm sitting there like, didn't you say you know nothing about Black Lives Matter and all your friends live in Soho? You know what's funny? I remember in 2010, I wrote this blog post about him, right? I was worrisome about some of the things he said, but then I changed my tune after a few years. But after that comment, I realized I was unfortunately right this whole time. His statements are so detrimental to, to us, especially since a lot of his listeners are not us. Understand that a part of this entire system working relies on the big house mentality. It's psychological and it's cyclical. The final distraction I want to discuss is 4th of July weekend. I'm sure you heard more about this moron announcing his presidency than you did the Native Americans who were being shot with rubber bullets and arrested on their own land at Mount Rushmore. I learned that this is a direct violation of the Fort Laramie Treaty with the Sioux Natives. This treaty was created in 1868, and then, of course, America broke the treaty. So from 1920 to 1980, the Sioux Natives were in court. And then finally, in 1980, the Supreme Court upheld the treaty. And here comes America again to break it. I'm also sure you didn't hear about Kendrick Johnson's case getting dismissed. This case haunts me. 
In 2013, in Valdosta, Georgia, he was found rolled up in a wrestling mat with his organs missing, stuffed with newspaper, but it was somehow ruled an accident. And almost everyone knows who the boys involved were, but apparently they got ties to law enforcement and they're white. Kendrick was only 18 years old. It is sickening. What about Amani Kildea? His body was discovered hanging in a tree in Morristown, New Jersey on June 28th. He was 20 years old. He was a baby. And I believe he's now the eighth black man to be found lynched in a tree in the last month. And like Robert Fuller, Malcolm Harsh, and the gentleman found right here on Long Island in Huntington, it's already being presumed to be a suicide. How? But this time, the prosecutors actually are doing the right thing. They came back and demanded the investigation remain open. So that's one positive. And while everyone's also celebrating 4th of July, I'm still sitting here thinking about all the children who are locked in cages around the country right now. Over 1,500 have gone missing. Like, it's really hard to celebrate a country who has purposely placed certain people in turmoil. So let me now give you some insight into social media marketing. Every share or comment on a post, it increases the engagement, which basically means how many people interact with it, like it, comment, share. And it also increases the reach, meaning how many people see it. Understand you are helping spread this trash. I call myself liking responses to this dumbass um, on Twitter, but... This just helps the actual post gain traction. Please stop sharing posts about this idiot. It's ultimately helping his cause, whatever selfish reason that may be. The thing about social media is that people who hate a post will share it. And people who love it will share it. Either way, it's getting spread. Please just keep that in mind. So when the distractions are abundant, just remember, they're just trying to dangle the carrot in front of us so that we lose focus. We need to ignore the carrot. Also over the holiday weekend on Long Island, we witnessed over a thousand people march through the street with their Blue Lives Matter and Back the Blue and of course, Trump 2020 flags, as well as the American flag, which I've been seeing a lot more of in the back of cars and there's no sun sun damage. Those are fresh flags. It's like a lot of people are weaponizing the flag against us as if we're not American because we don't like the fact that we're being disproportionately locked up and killed by the police. Why can't we critique the country that we live in? My favorite argument, though, is, well, the police kill more white people, which translates to me that you don't understand percentages and statistics and also that you don't care that white people are getting killed by police as well. Like, what? It's like, well, we get murdered by the cops, too, so deal with it. Why is that acceptable? The black-on-black crime shit is another moot point, since crime is based on proximity. And since this country is so segregated, victims and perpetrators are usually of the same ethnic background. In addition, black neighborhoods are policed at a much higher rate. In turn, we are arrested and criminalized whether we're innocent or not. Think about all the innocent men and women who thankfully didn't lose their life at the hands of a police officer. Some of them are now sitting in jail for no reason other than being black or brown. This is why we say defund the police, because we pay more in taxes to be policed than we do to be educated. I think we have been learning, especially in the last month, that 
it's not just a few bad apples. The whole tree is rotten. What do you do when this happens? You dig it out from the roots, treat the soil, and plant a new one. So people might say that I'm too woke, but honestly, I would rather be wide awake than fast asleep, and that's just facts. So again, I'm looking at everything from a business and emotional standpoint. I see things for what they are. And I'm in no way trying to do damage to our community by mentioning the fault of some of our skin folk. I'm trying to help us. Question everyone with a platform who isn't using it for free right now. Think about Regina King, Ruth Carter, Rihanna, Viola Davis, and even Joaquin Phoenix, who speak out anytime someone hands them a mic. This is what I want to see. Remember, we built the platform on which they stand. So it's only fair that during a revolution, they can join us and truly help us into the future. I don't need them to be our leaders, but I recognize the need for them in our corner. They have access and reach that we need during this time. This is a symbiotic relationship. Actors and musicians make money from our support. I think we deserve to make good on our investment, like it's about time. In these times, I don't want to pay to hear your message or your thoughts unless you're using the money for good. So I love what Andre 3000 did. He made limited edition shirts and sold them at $75 a pop with 100% of the proceeds going to the movement for black lives. I mean, what do fans love more than limited merch? Like, I can't think of anything besides concerts. <laughs> but honestly, I'm not even asking artists to do all that. They all have a PR and social media team at their disposal. Here's how I look at it, right? Let's say you have 20 million Instagram followers. All you do is post, everyone, donate at least a dollar to XYZ charity. Let's say color of change, right? I will match up to $250,000. Link in bio, hashtag Black Lives Matter, hashtag enough is enough, right? Let's say half, for the sake of argument, are bots. Let's say another half of followers aren't reach. That leaves us with 5 million followers. Let's say another half decide not to donate. Including your donation, you have a potential to raise $2.75 million. What is so hard about that? Okay, that might be a little hard, but that is your gauge. You know what I'm saying? To me, that's the bare minimum. If you want to twerk on your feed, have a twerkathon and raise money. Call it twerk for justice. Like there's just a lot of narcissistic and vapid people in this industry. And all I'm asking them is to use that for good, not to use it as a time to take advantage of our undivided attention. And that fool is a primary example of why I question people who donate in silence. Actions and words are both important now because as he proved, you can give away $2 million and still be self-centered and destructive to the cause. Here's something important to remember. All rich people donate money. Some of them just donate because they get a really nice tax break. It's literally the definition of just doing something good just to get something in return. And I'll take that money, honestly, but your intentions are trash and God will judge you, not me. Others are truly just trying to donate out of the kindness of their own heart because they have the money and they recognize the opportunity, right? The tax break for them is just an added bonus. But right now, I need you to donate that money, but I also need you to get up on that platform we built for you and scream Black Lives Matter at the top of your lungs. You cannot be afraid or worried about losing money. We're past that. 
Okay, so every episode, I'm going to end with the top five of the week. This week, my top five will be songs by empowering black women. I want all of our voices to be uplifted and celebrated. We will never be silenced. Okay, so number five is going to be Attitude by LaCaylee47. So y'all most likely know LaCaylee 47 because of Insecure. The song that's most used on the show by her is Money. You know, don't, 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 don't. Ah, don't. Okay. Um, just listen to it. Um, and then I also love Girl Blunt. That was on the show too. It's a bop. Um, but I had the pleasure of seeing LaKaylee 47 at Elsewhere last year, and it was a show. Young Baby Tate opened for her. Please check her out, too. She's so much fun. That show was fire. It was energetic, and she was bopping and grooving, even with her face mask on, just killing it. She is definitely an artist to see live. But when she performed Attitude, she invited this dude on stage, and he was voguing his heart out, and it ended with a perfectly timed death drop. It was the first time hearing this song, and it just lit me up inside. So part of the lyrics, she's like, then Juvenile came on, and you know that's my favorite song. I was 15 minutes late because I was trying to be great. Dancing on my fate, your opinion, not today. And that's just perfect. The song continues at the towards the end, it's Dandridge, Attitude, Grace Jones, Attitude, Pay Rent, Attitude, own homes attitude like how does that not get you hyped and like just like yes i'm gonna be this baddest bitch i can and y'all bass stands will love this because she ends the song by repeating khalees is god and so is beyonce number four reality check by no name featuring a kenya and my girl aaron allen kane the chorus is just perfect she says don't fear the light that dwells deep within. You are powerful beyond what you can imagine. Just let your light glow. But my favorite line is, the feel in me is so alive. Mm, I just love that. In No Name's 2019 NPR interview, she said this, I would just like to see more variety with women in hip hop on a larger scale. Everyone knows Cardi B whose name I would also like to exist in a world where Tiara Wack will be as famous as Cardi B. So there's something to offset. So there's not one mono image of women. We need to exist in multitudes. But yeah, I don't know. Patriarchy is really insidious. And damn, if that ain't the truth. Number three, Video by Indiari. Anyone who knows me, like I said, they know I'm heavy into Neo Soul. It's the music I relate to the most. In fact, I used to make boo-loving compilations and pass them out in high school for free for no reason. The best one, though, was on Valentine's Day. I really put in the work then. But I was introduced to IRE my junior year of high school. I was 16 and very into my feelings like any other chick that was 16 years old. But Acoustic Soul did something to me. Brown skin was everything. I can't tell where yours begins. Uh, I can't tell where mine ends. Oh, like, uh. and at the time I was very much into this boy who loved his coochie sweaters. So I imagine us singing this to each other, that and ready for love. And our love was honestly more like that song because the lyrics are, I'm ready for love. Why are you hiding from me? Yeah, that was, that was really it. 
Anyway, the first song I ever heard of hers was Video. It was so uplifting, like just about being exactly who you are and loving yourself. I'm not the average girl on your video, and I ain't built like a supermodel, but I love to love myself unconditionally because I am a queen. How could you not love that? Especially as a teenager when you're riddled with insecurities, that was exactly what I needed. And that had a huge part of my adolescence and my teenage years. Number two, I'm Every Woman by either Shaka Khan or Whitney Houston. Now, there is no way that you don't hear this song and bust out into your own music video. Like, my favorite thing about this song is how loud and powerful it is. I feel like I can take on the world when I hear this tune. I know most of us grew up with our moms jamming out to this. So as a result, we know all the words. This song gives me chills from the inside out, especially because of these two vocal powerhouses. The pitches, the tones, they're both perfect. I mean, the chorus obviously hits, but it's the line, it's this line that does it for me when she's like, I can't and I'm not going to hurt your ears. I already did that. But she's like, I ain't bragging because I'm the one. Just ask me. Ooh, it shall be done. Okay, I couldn't. I had to do it. I had to do it. I'm sorry. This song is just a reminder that we can be all and do it all. And for that, I just love it. Number one, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood by Nina Simone. There will never be another Nina. She's in a class all on her own. Her and Angela Davis were on the same plane. And I know Angela's not a singer, but it's just that level of consciousness and intelligence I constantly aspire to obtain. Nina played an inspirational piece in my obsession with music. Like you feel her songs, you don't listen to them. Literally, I'm feeling good has always had me feeling some sort of way about myself. Like I'm walking on the moon. And she has always used her music and her voice to speak on the injustices black people face for just living. And she also uses her voice to demand justice for us. Growing up and hearing to be young, gifted and black was so important. And that's why I always speak about representation. But for me, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood is the song of womanhood. Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel? When everything goes wrong, you see some bad. But oh, I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. The very next line she says, you know, sometimes maybe I'm so carefree. Like, I love it. It's the contrast. We are everything, you know, you're going to get all of me. I'm a woman. I'm a human. Let me live. And there's no stronger message than that. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of LA Unmastered. I am truly so appreciative for all three of you. It really means the world to me. But like I said, this show isn't just for me. It's for all of us to build a community. So if there was anything that I said that you want to comment on or discuss, please feel free to go to the website launmastered.com or email me la at launmastered.com or call or text me at 646-389-9079. I just want to leave you with this. It is so important to find peace in your day. 
it is more than okay to take a break and to take care of you. It's actually quite necessary. So I just hope that throughout your day, it's filled with happiness, peace, and music, and that you stay doing it.